Welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We're so glad to have you in the House of Faith with us today. On the broadcast today, we're showing you part three of a sermon called Anointed. And this is out of the series that we've been in for weeks on Legacy TV called It Can Be Done. And no matter what impossible situation you're facing right now, you need to know that with God, all things are possible. It can be done. And part of taking something out of the realm of impossible and putting it into the realm of it can be done is you living life under the anointing, you being anointed. That transforms you into someone and something else. And that's what we're going to get into on this broadcast today. Part three of anointed. Now, if you missed parts one and two, do what it takes. Go back to our website, our, our app, the Legacy Studios app or our podcast, any number of ways that we've made available to you to get the word into your life, get caught up, and then listen to this today as we talk about what it is to live life anointed. Watch this. Go to, go to Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16. Oh, thank you, Lord. In 1 Samuel 16, you remember David was anointed. God said to Samuel, I'm done with Saul. He had disobeyed him. And he said, there's another one I want you to anoint. And in chapter 16, verse seven, as Jesse is parading his sons through, he brought the first one and Samuel said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature. There again, just proves to you. This is not what God is looking at. Where does he want you looking? He says, I've refused him for the Lord does not see as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So finally, when they brought David before him in verse 12, it says they sent and they brought him in. Now he was ruddy, bright eyes, good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Now, you know the story, you know it well. First Samuel chapter 17, what happens? David shows up to where his brothers are, where the army is. And what does he hear? Goliath. Goliath standing out there shouting cursings at Israel, cursing their God, defying the God of Israel. And every man in that army looked at that situation, looked at that giant as that giant was saying, get out here, fight me. You win, we'll be your slave. And every Israeli soldier heard that and saw that and said one thing, can't be done. I, nobody can do that. I can't do that. Can you do that? I can't do that. It can't be done. And then David shows up. Somebody, check this out, notorious for being in the presence of God. Somebody who has spent time worshiping the Lord. 
Somebody who's been out in the field keeping sheep and writing songs about the goodness of God, about the faithfulness of God. This guy who's been in the presence of the Lord shows up, sees the exact same set of circumstances, sees the exact same giant, hears the exact same words, but coming out of his mouth is something totally different. Why? Because he sees something everybody else doesn't see. So because he sees something they don't see, he says something they don't say. What's he say? I'll do it. It can't be done. And he starts asking around, what'd you say you get if you kill this guy? And they said, well, you, you get the king's daughter. You get uh, riches. Your family doesn't have to pay taxes. And he said, uh, what was that part about the king's daughter? Tell me that again. He does. He asks like two or three different guys, What's the, what, do, what do you get? What do you get if you kill this joker? Because I want to know, because I'm about to go do it. Let me tell you how much this different spirit stands out. It was so different in the company of the army of Israel that it made its way all the way back around to Saul. And he said, bring him here. And David got hauled before Saul in chapter 17, and David said in verse 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able. Come on, help me out. What did he just tell him? What's he telling him? It cannot be done. This is what impossible literally means. No ability. David, you're not able. Your size compared to his. Your experience compared to his. Your weaponry compared to his. He said, you are not able. It can't be done. You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're a youth and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, struck it and killed it. Now, I guarantee you, whatever day that was, was sometime after the anointing, right? Because you don't just do this without being turned into another man. He said, your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, man, he wouldn't shut up. David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He's saying, Saul, it can be done and I can do it. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I'm not what you're looking at. I'm not what you see standing in front of you. I'm anointed. The spirit of the Lord is on him. And this is all he said to Saul. And what did Saul say in response? Verse 37, Saul said to David, go. Watch it. And the Lord be what? With you. With you. What changed his mind. Because just moments ago, Saul looked at David and said, it can't be done. And then David starts speaking. Really, David starts preaching. And Saul's hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. And just like that, Saul changes his whole tone and says, go. 
Not only does he say go, you remember this, right? He says here, take my armor. Now this is an interesting move by Saul because the king's armor is not just the armor of, that looks just like all the enlisted men in this army. The king's armor bears the markings of the king. And all this is factual. You, you could research this and study this, and you better believe that Saul's armor, if somebody in that army came, saw somebody in that armor come walking out, the first thought is, this is Saul. You recognize that armor. I think Saul saw something in David that used to be in him. What was it? The anointing the anointing. He saw it as David's preaching, as David's talking. He's saying that same thing. I remember that. I remember turning into somebody else. I remember being another man. I remember being unstoppable. I remember being somebody else unrecognizable by the people in my life. He recognized it. And I firmly believe when Saul said, take my armor, he knew David was about to go out there and cut the head off this giant. And he wanted people to believe that he sanctioned it, that he anointed this fight. And David put it all on. And what did he say? I can't fight with this. I can't fight with this. He took it off. What's he saying? Saul, I'm, I'm not about to go out there and fight under your identity. I'm not going to go fight in your name under your identity, with your ability. He went out there and he fought, dressed in the only thing he'd ever known, the anointing. It was the anointing. It was the Spirit of the Lord on him. And what couldn't be done, got done. And David said, you come at me with a sword and spear. In other words, I see what you dressed up in. Let me tell you what I'm dressed up in. I come at you in the name of the Lord. And you know how the story goes. I got to tell you this. This week, I was putting Jesse to sleep at night, laying her down for bed, and we're laying there playing with her. And I said, Jesse, I said, will you, will you be my friend forever? She said, yes. I said, will you be my friend when you're 12? Uh-huh. Will you be my friend when you're 13? She said, yeah. I said, what about 14? She said, forever. I said, what about when you get married? And she said, what will my name be when I get married? I said, I don't know. I don't know your husband. I don't know who it is, but I know he'll be a good man. He'll be a good man. She said, yeah, good man. Not a bad man. Not Goliath. I don't know what it is about Jesse right now. She's four years old. She's really taken a little bit with the story of David and Goliath. And Goliath is all things bad. That's what Goliath represents. And she was emphatic that night going to bed. I'm not marrying Goliath. <laughs> and as a father, I support that decision. I'm not marrying Goliath. And she began to tell me what happened with David and Goliath. And oh, I love hearing this come up out of their mouths. She said, David went out there. Goliath was saying bad things because he's bad. But David said good things. And David got that rock. And David slung it around. And David, he hit Goliath. And, and Goliath, he, he, he fell down. And, and he, she was trying to say died, but she couldn't come up with it. He said, she goes, he, he, he's not around this town anymore. <laughs> I kid you not. This is what she said. 
he's not around this town anymore. I was like, baby, you are right. Goliath is not around this town anymore. Why not? Hmm? The anointing. The anointing turned this little kid into a stone-cold killer, literally. Turned him into another man. The anointing. I said, the anointing. What did the anointing do for Jesus? He was baptized, and the Spirit of the Lord descended upon him, and a voice was heard from heaven. The Father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And it's interesting. We read it in Luke 3. You see it in Mark chapter 1. And you would think, well, God's got so much to be pleased with Jesus about. You know, all the miracles, all the signs, all the messages, all the preaching and the teaching. Surely that pleased God. Did you know God said that about him before one miracle, before one sign was ever performed? He declared the pleasure that he took in his son and gave him his spirit without measure and anointed him. And it was the revelation of my father loves me, the revelation that he's pleased with me, the revelation he's anointed me that launched him into ministry. And Satan saw the anointing and he came and he tried to take it from him through temptation. Nothing's too hard for God, but I'm telling you those 40 days were not easy. But Jesus resisted. Jesus persevered. Jesus was sustained for 40 days. And he did nothing but respond with the word, with the word, with the word, with the word. The Bible says Satan left him. He left him. And that's why Jesus stood up in Luke chapter 4. And he said, I can stand here and tell you this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, here's why Satan hates the anointing and is terrified of the anointing. Because Jesus said the anointing's on me to preach. To preach the gospel to the poor. To preach recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are oppressed. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Satan is terrified of all of this. Let me show you one last scripture. Go to the book of Isaiah. You know what the anointing does. It turns you into another person. Look at this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 10. In verse 27. I know we've looked at a lot of words tonight. Can you hang on? You got, you got two more minutes for me. Isaiah 10, 27. It says, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be what? Destroyed because of the anointing. This is why your enemy, the devil himself, is terrified, not of just the anointing on Jesus, not just the anointing on your pastor, on your preacher, not just the anointing on some preacher you saw on TV. He's terrified of the anointing that's on you. Yes. Terrified of it. Why? Because it removes burdens. Yes. Because it destroys yokes. 
He is in the burden and yoke business. This is what he does. And he could spend generations. He will spend centuries putting a burden on humanity, on a family. And he's been so perfected at it that he's got us trained to see that our impossibilities are just genetic. This is something I've inherited. It was impossible for dad. It was impossible for dad's dad. It was, it's been impossible for our entire family. No man in this family has lived past 40. <laughs> I'm getting close. And you just call it genetic. And it's just this burden and it's this yoke that the devil has developed and put on people. And what he's so terrified of is somebody like you and somebody like me coming into contact with the anointing and in a moment of time, completely lifting that burden, destroying that yoke that he spent centuries trying to put in place. He's terrified of it. He's terrified of it. Let me read this to you from another translation. This is going hopefully to excite you. This right here, this is what I came tonight to tell you. This is that same scripture in the Amplified Bible. It says, and it shall be in that day that the burden shall depart from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of fatness. That's interesting. The yoke shall be destroyed because of fatness. Now, the King James and New King James said it was the anointing that did it. Other translations like this will say it's the fatness. I know fat for you and I is not our favorite thing to talk about, but there is a context in which it's a good thing. Think about it. Think about what a yoke is. It's this wooden, this wooden thing that was laid upon the neck of an animal right? And then this hoop would go up through the bottom of it around their neck. And the person, the, the, the farmer, the, 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 the plowman would put that yoke on so that he could drive that animal and steer that animal to where it had literally no will of its own. And that yoke, picture that on the neck of an animal. Well, that same yoke on some skinny, scrawny, Donkey, I guess we're on donkeys tonight, sorry. <laughs> That's one thing. But the picture this is painting is something happening. And you go from this weakling, this skinny, powerless, scrawny, no strength, no ability, and then something happens. And you turn in to something else. And get the picture here, that yoke that was around the neck of that animal being destroyed because of fatness. It's a different thing when you try to lay that on some massive 2,000 pound ox. And, and just picture, picture what happened to Popeye. But what is it? Something gets in him and then all of a sudden, Muscles start popping out, right? The shirt's being torn. It's being ripped. He's coming out. This is the picture he's painting right here. It's being destroyed. You're literally getting bigger, getting stronger, getting fatter than the yoke that was around you. And the person that put that yoke on you yesterday comes out and sees you now and says, what got in to you? You something else entirely now. 
And it gets to the point where not only is it destroyed because of fatness, listen to this, the yoke shall be destroyed because of fatness, which prevents it from going around your neck. You can get so fat with the anointing that the yoke that used to keep you bound, Satan looks at you and says, you broke my yoke. You broke my yoke. Now it doesn't even fit you anymore. I can't even get this thing around you anymore. This is what the anointing does. Turns you in to something else. Thank you, Jesus. It's the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. Thank you, Lord. Whatever's been in your way, whatever burden's been on your back, whatever yoke you hadn't been able to break, the anointing can do it. The anointing can do it. The, the anointing can destroy it. Jesus, when he stood in front of those people and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, it made him mad because he literally was saying to them, I am the Christ. That's what the word Christ means. It means the anointing. So when he said, I'm anointed, he's saying, I'm the one. I'm the Christ. I'm the Christ. You go back to the scripture we started with tonight and started with months ago. With God, how many things are possible? All things. I'm excited about all things. Think about what you know about all things. Jesus said all things are possible to him who believes. With God, all things are possible. How about this one? I can do what? All things. Through what? Christ. The anointing. The anointed one. I can do all things through Christ, through the anointing, through the anointed one. You know what the Amplified Bible says? I am able to do all things through Christ, which infuses me through the anointing, like the anointing oil being poured over Saul, being poured over David, just gets all up on you, all up in you, saturated and infuses you. I can do all things through the anointing that infuses me with strength. When the anointing comes on me, I go from weak to strong. I'm another man. I'm another person. When the anointing comes on me, I go from I couldn't do it to I can do it. When the anointing comes on, I go from I can't stand and talk to somebody to I will stand and preach the word of God every day of my life for the rest of my life. When the anointing comes on you, what happens? You're somebody else. When the anointing comes on you, you go from weak to strong. You go from, I can do nothing, which is what Jesus said. He said, we're talking about what you can do with him, what you can do with him, what you can do with him. What did he say in John 15? Without me, you can do how many things? No things. That's what nothing is. It is no things. Contrast that to what you can do with him. With him, all things. Without him, no things. What's the difference? The anointing, the spirit of God on you, the power of God with you, God himself. I can do all things through Christ, through the anointing. First John chapter two, verse 20, 21. 
you have an anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know what it says? And you know how many things? All things. Could you get excited about all things? Could you get a little stirred up about all things? This is not hyperbolic speech. This is not exaggeration. This is not the Spirit of God just trying to work you up. This is serious. This is literal. And with God, you can do all things. In God and through the anointing, you know everything you need to know. You're a different person. Amen? Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.